morning, everybody. I am grateful that you're with us this morning. This is Miracle Offering Sunday. This is the weekend that we do one time a year that we take a special offering. In the New Life Church family, um, we don't take special offerings. And a lot of my church pastor friends, um, you know, they do, and that's okay. There's nothing wrong with different, different ways of doing church. We don't take special offerings for special needs. We fund the special needs through the miracle offering, an annual offering that we take here at the church. And so we're about to participate in a miracle, but God wants all the credit. In fact, God wants all the credit, so he allowed a widow woman who's in bankruptcy. The creditors are coming, and they're about to take her most precious asset, her two boys, her two children, as slaves to pay the debt that she owes. Back in that time, that was the legal ramification. If you couldn't pay your bills, then they could take your children. Your children would be their slaves until the bill was paid. And ultimately, the bill would never be paid because the children also had to pay for their room and board as they were being slaves. So it was a, it was a terminal thing for this family. It was going to be broken up. And this was what was going to happen. And God seemingly is standing by doing absolutely nothing. But in reality, he is working all things together for this woman's good so that he can receive all of the credit so that God himself can receive all the credit. We're going to hang out in 2 Kings chapter 4 today. If you've got your Bible, please turn there. I'm going to read to you just the first verse. The verse will be up on the screen as well. But again, I challenge you, please don't take my word for it. Make sure that you're studying to show yourself approved before God. Verse number one, the wife of a man from the company of the prophets cried out to Elisha, your servant, my husband, is dead. And you know that he revered the Lord, but now his creditor is coming to take my two boys as his slaves. Have you noticed in your life that the universe does not make allowances for your crisis? The stuff that happens in your life, the universe doesn't make allowances for it. There's no memo that goes out saying that you've had a bad day and everybody better pay attention to it. It does, everybody be nice to her today. Her mama's in the hospital. Everybody be kind to him today. He had a fight with his wife earlier and he's really triggered right now. It would be nice if life's demands would accommodate my crisis, but it never seems to happen that way. So in this story that we're reading about this morning, the bills were still due. Yes, there was a crisis for this woman, but she still had to pay the bills. This woman, this mama, did not have the means to pay her bills. She is in a deficit. I mean, anybody understand a deficit in your life? She's in a deficit. Hers is a financial deficit, but yours might not be financial. Your deficit today might be a relationship that's struggling and is falling apart and you don't feel, you feel like you're on a slippery slope. You really don't know how to fix it or it might be a spiritual deficit. You feel so empty and so far away from God or maybe it's an emotional deficit. You feel like you're just at the end of your emotions and you just can't handle, I mean, I'm done is how you feel. What you are is you're, you're drained in your life. This woman is in a desperate deficit. It's, it's not a national crisis. It's a personal crisis. Nobody else really knows about what's going on in her life. Maybe her immediate neighbors or folks in the neighborhood. But the man of God, Elisha, takes time for this one broke woman. 
Whenever you read about Elisha in the Old Testament, Elisha, Elisha is a precursor of Jesus Christ. So when you read about the, the life of Elisha, you need to see it through the lens of this is a precursor to Jesus who's gonna come a few thousand years in the future as our savior. And so this is, this is a long time ago, but Elisha is that precursor. So Elisha, the man of God, the prophet of God, the precursor of Jesus, takes time for this one broke woman. God is concerned about little old us. Can somebody say amen? And when we're crying at night and we're trying to rebuild the wreck that we may have caused or we, maybe we didn't cause, God cares about us. So this woman is in crisis. And she does what we do when we're in crisis. She asks for help. Look at verse number two. Elisha replied to her, how can I help you? Oh, she's thinking, finally, somebody is listening to me. Finally, I'm, he's gonna take out his checkbook. It's all gonna be solved. Problem is gonna be taken care of. Thank you, God. And she's probably thinking in that nanosecond between Elisha's questions, she's thinking, yes. Finally, I've got the ear of somebody, the man of God who can do something and can help me in the only way that I can perceive help should come. But, but that's not what happens. Elisha continues, as you see it in your Bible and on the screen, tell me, what do you have in your house? <laughs> nothing. I got nothing, nothing at all, except a small jar of olive oil. Your servant has nothing. That's why I'm coming to you because I don't have anything. In, if I had something in my house, I'd have sold it on eBay already. I'd have gotten something that I don't have it. Do I, do I need to restate my question, oh wise prophet man? Is that what I need? I bet she's probably triggered herself. This woman is asking for help, Elisha asks her a question, what do you have? And her first instinct is to minimize what she has left. And we do the same thing. And here's how I think that this conversation went. Elisha, what do you have in your house? Nothing! Elisha. Anybody have a, a big eyeballer in your sphere of, fam of family or friends, right? Somebody who just kind of looks too intently at you, like, you're making me uncomfortable, man, right? Or somebody, anybody have somebody that it doesn't understand personal boundaries, they get a little bit too close, and you're just like, dude, I can't back up any further. Are you not getting the message here, man? Give me some space, right? If you don't have one of those, <laughs> you might be that person. And, and, and that's what this is. Elisha, in my opinion, it doesn't say this in the Bible, but in my, my brain, as I'm trying to unpack this conversation, I have a feeling he's just kind of looking at her. And I kind of think that's what Jesus does with me. It's when I begin to debate with him and I don't got anything, I don't have anything. I just kind of hear silence. But it's almost like I can see in my spirit that he's just kind of looking at me like, really? And, and so her response to Elisha is, well, I, I've, I've got a little bit of olive oil. That's all I've got left, just a little bit. So in verse number three, it goes on to say, Elisha said, well, go around. Ask all your neighbors for empty jars. <laughs> 
what we have here is a failure to communicate, Elisha. I don't need, I don't need something to put nothing in, right? Because I got nothing right now. You're, you're asking me to go get a bunch of jars for something that I don't, I don't, I don't possess. I don't have it. And and Elisha says, continues to tell her, go get those empty jars. Don't just ask for a few. Then he says, go inside and shut the door behind you and your sons. Pour the oil into all the jars. And as each is filled, put it into one side. She left him and shut the door behind her and her sons. And they brought the jars to her and she kept pouring. And when all the jars were full, she said to her son, bring me another one. But he replied, there's not a jar left. Then the oil stopped flowing. She went and told the man of God and he said, go sell the oil and pay your debts. You and your sons can live on what is left. The abundance of our life is found in the flow. Let me say that again. The abundance of our life is found in the flow. John 7, 38, out of your belly will flow rivers of living water. Proverbs 4, 23, guard your heart because from your heart flows the issues of life. We serve a God of the flow. Malachi chapter three, verse number 10, which we quote oftentimes when it comes to giving. And see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be room enough to store it. God wants to pour it out. God wants his blessings to flow, but God also wants all the credit for it. And this woman might have missed her blessing because she claimed nothing. She claimed that she had nothing. Sometimes we get so overwhelmed by our scarcity that we minimize our supply. You ever had a, ever had a, a friend complain so much that you just like, you just can't hardly take their complaining anymore? They're just that whiny, complainy, constantly, all the time. Is there anything good right now? You want to say, that? maybe you should say that. Is there anything good right now in your life? Anything at all good in your life? And if they can't think of anything good, I've got a couple of suggestions you could suggest to them. You could suggest them, well, you, how about your arms? Are your arm, do you appreciate your arms? You appreciate using your arms, right? You appreciate, how about your eyelids? <laughs> there you go. You appreciate your eyelids? Can you imagine if your eyelids were just cut off and slapped on the floor and you didn't, you didn't have any eyelids? How, 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 how uncomfortable would that be, right? I mean, that's pain. Uh, I think it's hilarious. God is... Your eyelids are a big deal. I mean, I'm going to keep going with that first. These eyelids matter. <laughs> God is asking you, what do you have? What, what do you have? And, and it's possible that you're overlooking the very thing that God wants to perform a miracle through. It can be difficult, especially when you've lost a lot. This woman has lost her husband. She doesn't have her best friend anymore. This woman has lost... Lost, almost lost her children. She spent everything she had to try to keep her children, to try to keep her home, to try to pay her debts. And all she has is just a little bit of, a little bit of oil, just a little bit of oil left. It's all she's got. It's just a tiny amount. It's so, it's so small that when she's talking to the man of God, she doesn't even think it's worth mentioning. It's so insignificant. It, it, doesn't, it doesn't really, in her minds, it doesn't really matter. And that's our first instinct too. So, so here's how it works. The enemy 
cannot, the enemy cannot steal your oil. So he works hard to get you to despise your oil. He wants you to hate your oil. He can't steal the oil from you. Now, when we talk about oil in the Bible, we're not talking about the pantry. We're not talking about uh, what, uh, what someone puts in the pantry. We're, we're talking about the someone that lives in your heart. We talk about the oil. Oil always represents the Holy Spirit, the triune God, God, right? Oil represents joy and gladness of heart and the empowerment of God. The devil can't steal that from you. He can't take that from you. There's a line there. God won't let him do that. So he'll work really, really hard to get you to despise your oil. If I was your enemy, and I'm not, but if I was your enemy um, and I knew I couldn't steal your oil, I would work really, really hard to try to make you think your oil is so little and so insignificant that it's not even worth mentioning. Like this woman. That's why some people can sit in church and, and go to Bible studies and attend groups and even help with ministries, but they stay in their deficiency because they, they never really realize that the oil you got is the oil you need. The oil you've got is the oil you need. The, the oil you've got is the oil that you need. We compare our oil, our, our, our relationship with God our anointing, we compare that to somebody else's. But God's not going to hold me accountable for your oil. Each one is personally responsible for their own spiritual condition. God will hold you responsible for your oil, and he will hold me accountable and responsible for mine. It's not the amount of oil that determines the size of the blessing. <laughs> it's, not, it's not how smart I am. It's Listen, in 2010, when the Lord called me and called Keely, who is working in the nursery today, my wife and our family to start New Life Church, it was in the middle of this thing called uh, the Great Recession. And um, we didn't have anything. Our salary at our previous church had been cut by 25%, like everybody else's has had around it. We were fortunate to have a job, well, and that had been going on for a while, and we were happy to serve the Lord, but we had all these children at home and trying to, trying to pay. The, the bills never changed. Anybody know what I'm talking about, right? Um, and, and it was rough, and I know it was rough for everybody. I know it was. But God had called us to start a church, to start a church when nobody else was starting a church and when nobody was funding church planting because there just wasn't anything to go around. And so we said, okay, God, we know we're supposed to do this. This is another one of those reckless leaps of faith in the journey of faith that you brought us on. And so we're going to do this, but we don't have a clue how. And this is the verse. This is the chapter in the Bible that God took me to. What do you have, Troy? I don't know. I guess we've, we've got seven kids, so we can... <laughs> Never mind. <laughs> My brain, my ADD brain was actually shifting over. We've got so many children that we have, we purchased two washing machines. And we had one of those Y adapters and so my wife could wash multiple loads at once. And we had two dryers. So when I'm walking around the house, I'm like, well, we don't need two washing machines. We, we don't need two dryers. And then I got to walking around, what else do we have? Well, there's a lot of stuff we can sell around here that we don't need. And so all of us, all of us in my family went through everything that we had and we put it all in the front yard and all the way around the side and 
people were coming and they were buying stuff and we sold the kids trampoline and we just sold everything that we could, everything for you, for this church. We didn't know you. We didn't know, we didn't have a clue. And this is not boasting on us. It's boasting on the miracle of God. He asks us, what do you have? And I don't know what I have. I, don't, I know I don't have a savings at all. And I know I've got some skills that I can do. So when, here's, let me let you in a little secret. Can I do that? Um, so I quit my job at the previous church and um, all my friends in ministry were like not taking my phone calls because they knew that I was going on the church planning journey, was gonna ask them for help and it's okay, I get it. Most of them are still friends. Uh, no, I'm just kidding, I'm just kidding. Um, they're all still friends if you're watching. Um, and, and, and so we weren't able to really rally any assistance so I knew that I had to do something. And so God's like, what do you have? What oil do you have? Well, I've been a martial arts instructor my whole life. I uh, use that as a, as a second job, oftentimes a third job for what I've done to support my family. And so we moved here and we knew it was a terrible time in the recession, horrible time. Um, in, but what I found was God revealed to us when I went and talked to one of the schools, um, one of the schools that we started our church at, Joseph Widmer Elementary School in, in Lathrop. When I went to that school, I told them, well, tell me about the programming. Tell me about your classrooms. Tell me about the availability of your gymnasium. And they're like, well, the gym's always full, but we've got a lot of empty classrooms right now. I'm like, why do you have empty classrooms when the school is overflowed, over overloaded with students? Well, because we can't afford to hire extra teachers and we've laid off. We don't have any music program. We don't have any art program. And so when the recession came, it hit academics as well. And so they got rid of those programs, which I thought, yes, not because the programs are gone, but because now classrooms were empty in the elementary schools. So now I had information. So I went to the principals and said, what if, what if uh, you could have a funding stream for your, your school, your actual school, and the empty classroom that you have, I could rent it one time a week, um, and uh, we could offer after school program for the children here to teach them Taekwondo lessons, which would teach them discipline and courtesy and respect and integrity and perseverance and all the things that we teach them, but it would also alleviate some of your traffic congestion as the parents are coming to pick up their kids because now at least a handful of parents won't be coming for an hour later to pick their kids up. And, I, and the principals all thought, this is a great idea. It's a win, 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 right? And, and in addition to that, I said, and what if I could bring some of these students into the, into the gymnasium and we could offer an assembly for you? It's gonna cost you $750 for the assembly, but I have got an endowment that we're able to tap into and it'll be free for your school. And we'll do anti-bullying assemblies for your school. And all the principals lit up because it was a win. Number one, anti-bullying is a big deal. And number two, they didn't have to pay for it because it was the uh, TK, 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 TK uh, uh, endowment fund that we used, right? It was the, it was the Troy Keeley Trinity Kyrotation Kyler uh, uh, endowment fund is what it was. And so it just basically, we're just doing it for free, but I wanted to make it the value be brought to it. So now uh, during that period of time, the first few years of having New Life Church, not only did we start the church, but 35,000 plus students in multiple schools around, the, uh, around this region got to hear martial arts version of anti bullying, not fighting, but how to, how to help a friend not be bullied. And it was, a, it was a real hit. In fact, there's still a demand for it. I just don't have the time or the energy to do it. And God really moved in all that. Why? Because we sold a washing machine. 
because we took what we had the talent that I had in Taekwondo and said, okay, God, I'll be glad to do this. What I'll do is I'll throw my Yukon, I'll take all the seats out of it and I'll jam wedge mats into that sucker and I'll, I'll go travel. We were traveling to six or seven different schools every single week, unloading, setting up, taking down, teaching the kids, high-fiving the parents, chasing their cars to get their $12 check every week for the, because they were, all that kind of stuff we did just to, just to live. Why? Because God said, I want you to, I want you to do something I'm just, this is not a boast. There was a man named, anybody know Dave Monath? The only ones that know Dave Monath would be my family because Dave Monath was a man who, incredible man. A man who at our last church at Susanville Assembly of God up in the mountains, up in Lassen County, um, he would show up and he would be working at 3.30 or 4 in the morning on a Saturday night, Sunday morning, just to make sure the lights were all set and everything was ready to go for the gathering on Sunday morning. I'd go in there and the scaffolding would be set up and he, because it was a really tall ceiling, four times the height of the ceiling. Uh, and he would be changing light bulbs and doing different things. That's before LED bulbs and everything. This guy was just amazing. When he, when he found out that we were gonna be moving, he came to me and he said, can I help you? I said, Dave, I would really appreciate that help. That would be really kind. And so not only did he help, because we were planning on just, honestly, I don't know what I was gonna do because we couldn't afford a, a moving truck. And we had a big family. So I'm thinking I'm gonna have to drive down the valley and back and forth and back and forth as many times as it takes with the vehicles or a little flatbed trailer and, that I've borrowed. And he shows up with this giant moving truck and backs it in. And um, it, it just, I said, Dave, we can't afford this. He said, I got you, Pastor, no problem. And he, and he helped us load it. And my, my thinking is he's gonna hand me the keys. He didn't hand me the keys. I mean, he drove with me all the way down to our place in Lathrop. And he stayed all day long to unload the vehicle and the truck and to set up all six of our beds or five of the beds and to put the dressers in the right place. And, and there was just no, it was our family, that was it. We didn't know anybody. Dave is a hero of mine. He gave what he had, and what he had was something that I will value the rest of my life. I just want you to know that this church has been sown into by people that you don't even know their names. Because if it wasn't for a Dave Monath, if, if, it, if it wasn't for somebody coming along and buying a washing machine or a riding lawnmower or, or a trampoline, that I don't know that, I don't know. I don't know. It's not how much money you have in the bank or what car you drive or where you live. It's not even the level of confidence you possess. If God calls you, nothing on this earth is gonna stop you from what God is calling you to do. The devil, Romans chapter 11 reminds us, the devil cannot take your oil. For God's gifts and his call are irrevocable. God doesn't change his mind about what he gives you. Your talents and your gifts the ideas he gives you, your abilities, the skills he's given to you. But if the devil can get you to think so little about the oil that you have, it will render you ineffective and it will starve you out. If he can make you think it's so insignificant, God gave me a ministry. The devil cannot take my ministry. He cannot do that. But if he convinces me to give up my joy, then I forfeit my ministry. Notice by the end of this story in the book of, of uh, Second Kings, this little widow woman, the house is full of oil. 
but it wasn't until she poured that it became more. And here's what I want you to know. When you feel poor, you don't pour because you hold on to what you got. When the need seems so big compared to the supply, you call it nothing and you don't use it and it doesn't multiply. So when we set a goal going into yet another recession, and I'm not a doom and gloom guy, but it just seems like, you know, when gas is what it is, we're probably at that place. When we set a goal of $100,000 for a church our size in one weekend, yeah, that is a miracle goal. And it, it, it removes us from the equation. It makes sure that God is going to receive all the glory and all the credit for whatever amount. And I'm, not, I'm still believing for the miracle, but for whatever amount it is, it's God's miracle. It's not our miracle. You, you, you think you've got nothing to feed the people, so you send the crowds away and they can't hear the Savior anymore. But you actually do have a sack lunch with some fishies, some fish sticks and some biscuits in there. And you can feed the people with it if you just pour what you got instead of thinking what you got is so insignificant, so minimized that it's impossible and that God can't do anything. We give away opportunities that God gave us because we think to ourselves, well, it's nothing. Well, what do you have to be grateful for? What are you good at? What has God called you to? You see, the question from this prophet to this mother, to this woman was not, what do you wish you had to give? That is not the question that God asks, but that tends to be the question that we want to answer. That's the question we prefer to answer. Well, I wish I had. God isn't concerned about that question, neither is he concerned about that answer. The real question is, what do you have left to pour out? Because that is what God is going to bless. Here's my point, you are his chosen vessel. The oil you have is the oil you need. The strengths you have are the strengths you need. The experiences you have are the experiences you need. But notice this, the oil only flows when it's poured. We get stuck asking God for more, 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 and God is simply saying, pour, pour, pour. Just pour out what you've got. You can wish for a miracle. You can pray for a miracle. You can cry for a miracle. But until you pour, it will stay in one small jar. Let me just challenge you. Some of you have stopped pouring. Don't do that. You got your heart broken and a relationship didn't work out, so you stopped pouring. Or you, you used to encourage people, but you got discouraged along the way. So you stopped encouraging people. God wants you to know that it's time to start pouring again. Your miracle is on the way because the more you pour, the more it's going to flow in your life. But we tend to think, the, I'll pour more when I get more. That's what we say. But the way it works in God's order of things, in his inside out, upside down world, in his perfect world, it becomes more as it's poured out. It becomes more as it's poured. Isn't it just like God to command you to pour something that you don't feel like you got enough of? <laughs> That's my, my Bible says in, in the Gospel of Luke, uh, Luke chapter 6, verse number 38, give and it will be given to you. A good measure pressed down, shaken together and run over will be poured into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Hmm. 
Scripture is very clear. I'm telling you, this works. See, if I, if I, if I feel sorry for myself when I'm discouraged, and I've done that before, I've tried that before, I'm sure you have as well, but when I, I've also tried the opposite. When I'm discouraged, I choose to encourage somebody else. And here's what I found. The first one takes me deeper into my discouragement. But the second one, even though I don't think I have anything else inside of me to give, and what I really want is somebody to come and encourage me, it caused me to feel encouraged. Bitterness will keep you from pouring what you have while you wait for what you want. The devil can trick you into thinking that nobody appreciates you. And here's the cycle of the enemy. He'll try to trick you into thinking that nobody appreciates you. So you stop giving of yourself. You stop giving your time and your talent and your treasure. You stop doing those things, which creates a self-fulfilling prophecy that nobody appreciates you. And it becomes a wicked cycle. That's how the enemy works. How do I break the cycle, Troy? Well, I'm glad you asked. There's really only one solution to this. You start pouring. You start pouring. You might be pouring into people, but you're pouring for the Lord. What enabled this woman to pour? What caused her to muster up her faith? What was it that created this space for her to pour and pour and pour in the midst of her depression, discouragement, and dismay? I think, I think it's found, really, I think we can look at it in verse number five. 2 Kings chapter four, verse number five. She left him, meaning she left the prophet and everybody else that would be around, I suppose, and shut the door. Shut the door behind her and her sons. She, sh she shut, it says it also in the previous verse, then in verse number four, uh, Elisha says, go, go inside and shut the door behind you and your sons. And I think there's power in those three words. Some of y'all just need to start shutting the door a little bit. You need to shut your mouth. Gossip and judgment and slander. Some, some of y'all need to shut the door of your ears because you're listening to the things of the enemy. You're not listening to the things of God. So some of y'all need to shut your eyes because you're watching things. You're watching things with lust in your heart. I'm not just talking sexual things. I'm talking about envy and jealousy and you're watching those things or I gotta have it. We're moving into a season in the Christmas season where everything is paraded before us through marketing efforts that we have to have it. We don't have to have it. We don't have to have it. We don't have to have it. Shut the door and just start pouring. Um, one time early on, I was struggling with a friend, uh, a pastor friend of mine. Just like, I, do, I, I don't think I can pastor this church. I don't think I can do it. It's just, I just don't know. I'm whining, complaining. It was a hard season. He looked at me and he's like, you're the one they got. I'm like, well, you're rude. You know, you're just... <laughs> You're not nice. There's no Barnabas spirit about you. There's no encouragement inside of you. You're the one they've got. Sometimes when people say something like that to you, it sticks, doesn't it? It's just like stays and they don't even remember they said it. And, and, but it stuck, it stuck with me. I think what the Lord was saying through my eloquent friend was you're the one that God has chosen. There is no, um, there is no support system. There is no 
large edifice and a land far, far away that is watching New Life Church. And should we get into turmoil and trouble, they will come through. We're a congregational church. This is, this is God's church. He gets the credit for it, but he's depending upon the people that are here. And there are no wealthy people. There's, God didn't send his billionaires this year. And that's okay with me. I mean, maybe I'm wrong. If you are, stand. I'm just kidding. <laughs> we'll go to lunch. No, I'm just kidding. Um, but God didn't send us that. And that's, that's okay. It's us. So you're the church we got. We're the church we got. And I love that because I'm looking out at a bunch of relatively normal people, right? Whatever normal is. We're all just hardworking people. Some are retired. Some are just entering the workforce. Some are switching careers. Some are getting ready for life change where your kids are going to leave the home. Some are have grandchildren. Some, some are dealing with health crisis or issues. Some are said goodbye to loved ones and friends and family. Some are dealing with, with uh, big decisions coming up this year. Am I going to take that job? Am I, what school am I going to go to? Am I going to have another child? All kinds of experiences in this room. And this is what we've got. You're the mom or dad they've got. You're the son or daughter that they've got. You're the one that God has chosen. You're his chosen vessel. And I like to say it this way. He's chosen you cracks and all. We're just a bunch of cracked pots here at New Life Church. That's what we are, right? And we're trying our best to serve the Lord. And God chooses. I think God does it that way so that <laughs> there's going to be no credit going to the vessel. Because we're a bunch of cracked vessels. God says, yeah, now you're not going to get the credit for it. So that's why I'm going to choose to use you. And I'm like, thank you, Lord. You get all the credit, all the glory, all the honor, all the praise. It all belongs to you. May my life be a mirror reflecting nothing of Troy Stein, but everything of Jesus Christ. It's what God put inside you. And when you pour it out, you give God the glory and you give God the honor. We're about to do, to take our annual miracle offering and going to ask if uh, our team would please pass, distribute the miracle offering envelopes. We do these separately. I need to tell you at the very beginning of this, don't do the math. Just do your part. If you do the math, you'll like toss the envelope aside and say, forget it. It's impossible goal. Exactly. That's the goal. That's why we chose the goal because it is seemingly impossible. It's just a little oil but together, we're going to pour it out. Somebody says, what, what is it that we, why do we need this offering? This annual offering that we use is about 30% of our church's annual budget. The purpose of it in one sentence is to finish 2023 well and to start 2024 excellent. It funds all of our missionaries in one offering. So tomorrow morning, should the Lord provide, we write checks to all of our missionaries for the entire year. It's a beautiful thing to do that. It funds our church planting efforts. It funds our benevolence. It funds our outreach ministries that we do here at New Life Church. Um, it, it's, it, it funds so much of what we're trying to accomplish as a church family. And we have labored and prayed and trusted the Lord that he is going to provide. And I'm pleased to tell you that last night through the the 
wonderful, albeit extremely, uh, you know, I shouldn't say extremely, albeit small crowd in the um, uh, poor district of Modesto. In that one evening, we brought in so far $19,572 in one offering. That would total almost four months of offering for that campus in one offering because they're starting this weekend, this miracle weekend, full of faith. And if you've been there, you understand. Wonderful people. We're all people. We all bleed the same color, right? But, but hardworking people. Some of which, one of which came up to me last night and said, Pastor, I didn't count on my miracle offering. We gave our $100, and for them, it might as well have been $10,000. We gave our $100, but here's what I'd like to do. Is it possible? Could I make an announcement or make a video? And I encouraged him to make a flyer instead. So I said, just handwrite it if you want to. But he's making a flyer, and he wants me to make it available to all the church because um, he's a handyman who's been laid off. He works and he's been laid off for a short season. I'm not sure how long, but apparently the company is trying to finish the year with their books in the black. So they're laying, you know how it works in the business world. And so he's like, here's, I've got some time now. That's what God spoke to me in the message is the oil that I've got is I've got time. So how about this? I just love his creativity. How about I make a flyer that says, we'll work for miracle offering. And he said, I'll do odd jobs for anybody that needs odd jobs done. And 100% of what comes in, I'm going to put toward miracle offering. Is that okay if I do that, Pastor? I said, I am so proud of you and the way that God is using you and speaking to you and how he's really doing this. So it's not counted in the total, but we'll see what God does in that. I'm just like, that's, that's what, that's it. That's what I want people to grab onto. It's not, don't do the math, just do your part. So what's going to happen is in just a moment, um, the uh, worship team, Pastor Trinity and Pastor Brian and the wonderful Pastor Brian's not up here. Pastor Brian's in the back. The, oh, don't they look so much better? I'm just, <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding around. Thank you so much. They're going to begin to worship and I'm going to ask you to bring, this is the only time we ever do this once a year actually take your envelope. Now, here's the deal. Like my wife and I, the money's not in the envelope, okay? Um, uh, it, it, we, we're giving it online. So, but even if you give it online, I want you to fill out an envelope. Um, even if you're gonna give it by text or, or in whatever method, write it down and then check the box of how you're gonna give it. Some of you, I don't, I, I'm, I, for some reason, life snuck up on you and you're like, oh man, forgot. But you wanna be a part of the miracle. Write it on this envelope. Write it on here. Say, I'm going to bring the amount. Write it on here and then write clear at the bottom or somewhere that I will bring the check in or I will pay it online on this date. And don't lie. Please don't do that. Don't, don't make us make the numbers, the announcement, and then it's not really what the reality is. Just tell us the truth. Um, we're hoping that everybody will participate in this miracle. And we're going to worship for a few minutes. And we do have something very special we're going to do in just a few minutes at the end of the gathering that I don't want you to miss out on this special time together. But um, you're going to bring your envelope to me at the front. I'll be standing down here. I'd love to shake your hand or hug your neck as you turn it in. I'm not going to be looking at your amount. And then I will be distributing those to, to the team in the back. Pastor Brian and his team will be doing the count. 
and then we will share with you in just a few moments where we're at thus far in this week of miracle offering because we've got this gathering we've got more opportunities throughout the week as well and when you come at the at the front we have got this year a very special treat for you we have got uh, wristbands that simply say I'm part of the miracle I'd love to be able to give you one of these as you come. And then I appreciate so much Johnny putting together this beautiful uh, backdrop for us over here. If you want to step over there and take a, take a picture, uh, just I'm part of the miracle. It's kind of a cool way to celebrate. You're not bragging that you gave. You're bragging on God because he gets all the credit and he's using you to be part of the miracle. And so that's what we're going to do this morning. If you, if you came in here thinking, this is what I'm going to do. My wife and I go through this all the time. Pray. Pray and ask God, is this, is this what you want from me? Is it a sacrifice or is it just a budgetary line item? God is asking you for a sacrifice. That means we give up something we love for something we love even more. And I think reaching souls and perpetuating this gospel message is something that we all love even more than anything. So Lord, in the next few minutes, I'm trusting that you're gonna do a miracle in our lives. I'm trusting God that you are gonna speak to us and that we aren't gonna do the math because <laughs> the, the math's gonna mess us up. But God instead, we're, we're simply gonna do our part. So we ask God that you would strengthen us and help us, lead us and guide us, call us Lord to something incredible for you as we're part of this miracle at New Life Church. We pray this in the awesome, powerful, holy name of Jesus Christ. And everybody said, amen. Just worship the Lord as you're sitting or as you're standing. And then you can meet me at the front in just a moment.
Praise the Lord. This is indeed the house of miracles, and I'm so delighted to share with you where we're at thus far in our miracle offering journey. As you know, this is the weekend, um, but each year uh, there are people that are absent during the week that really want to be it, so we extend it till next weekend as well, and we'll finish the total at the end of the gathering next weekend. But as of right now, look, just look around. Just look around the room. Just look around for a second. Look, look, look at this family. As of right now, the total, including the 19,000 that came in last night, the total for Miracle Offering, as we put on the screen here for you, is $70,130. Wow. Come on, that's a big deal, amen. God, you've been good. You've been really, really good. Thank you, Jesus. We brag on you with the sign we make every year of how many contributors and how much has come in for Miracle Offering. Not because um, anything more than as the staff, as we're boasting on you, but really what we're doing is boasting on the Lord because God will receive all the credit and all the glory because He alone is due. Somebody say amen. Thank you for your faithfulness. Uh, you just never cease to amaze me. Just, I'm, I just am honored. And, and some of you know that I switched over my position this year trying to, trying to help our church and trying to help outside the church. But, so it's dual, it's a win-win, but trying to help our church by de decreasing expenses as we move on and we're expecting, we want to be prepared for what comes ahead. Joseph stored up in the years of plenty for the years of lack. That's kind of what we're looking at as well. We want to be wise with your resources, really with God's resources that he's entrusted, entrusted to us. So we don't take this lightly. On behalf of our team, we say thank you. May the Lord bless you. May he keep you. May he make his face to shine upon you. May he lift up his countenance upon you. May he give you rest and may he give you peace.